my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. A great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Ian Hayworth. Always a great time talking to Ian. Uh, We discussed his brand new show, Off Limits, which is live now on YouTube. Um, We talked about the White House using COVID as an excuse to keep Joe Biden in the basement. Uh, We talked about what Republicans should be focusing on going into the midterms. And uh, Deshaun Watson, the Browns quarterback, only receiving a six-game suspension. Uh, We discussed all that and much more. Uh, Guys, before I get to Ian, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an iTunes user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Hayworth. Ian, how you been, man? I'm doing well. My uh, cat is locked outside my office and is going absolutely insane. So I'm sorry if you can hear a cat yowling in the background. Otherwise, I'm great. <laughs> I uh, My studio is in like, I don't really have a basement, but it's kind of a basement. It's like half underground, kind of one of those half basement deals. And I don't have a door to my office down here. So I have this like cloth and like wood divider thing, like room divider. And I have to literally barricade it when I'm doing the podcast because my cats will like push their way in and like jump, jump on me, jump on my lap, mess with the microphone. I mean, it's like they like they have it scheduled in their calendar every Monday and Wednesday morning to go mess with me when I'm recording the podcast. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Cats are evil, but so great at the same time. Yeah, man. I'm still a cat guy. Screw dogs, man. I, 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 we should just have an episode. See, like my, my last episode, I just bashed Donald Trump the whole time. Maybe uh, on Wednesday I'll have an episode where I just bash dogs. Just see if I have anybody left. Like, is there any, <laughs> see if there's anybody left listening to my show. Oh, the man. intersection of American conservatives who <laughs> hate Donald Trump and hate dogs is, dogs. is probably just you. <laughs> so episode one of your brand new show, Off Limits, is, uh, is live right now uh, on YouTube. It's very good. Um, I, I uh, suggest everybody go subscribe right now. Um, you've hosted a couple shows in the past, but Off Limits is something totally new. Uh, what made you want to do a comedy show, brother? Yeah, I think this is really who I am in a lot of ways. It's someone who's interested in politics, interested in culture, but especially being British, I kind of just think everything is just ridiculous at its core. Like I watch a lot of politics, especially in the US, and it's just absurd. I'm looking around. It's almost like a Twilight Zone situation of when you're seeing some of these politicians, doesn't matter whether they're on the left or the right, stand up and talk about anything, frankly. It's like I'm looking around and thinking I'm in the Twilight Zone. Is, is this real? Is this person seriously in charge of anything? And everyone's nodding along. And so, yeah, done a few different shows that have been a bit more serious in the past. And this one just felt the time was right. There's really no one on the conservative side of things who is approaching important political and cultural issues but with you know a tongue-in-cheek smile on their face and so i thought it's about time i kind of try to bring that that side of things a little bit to the political and cultural conversation because it's needed because 
every single person in politics is a clown, essentially, and it's about time we started treating them that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think most people realize how hilarious politics is. Like, politics is inherently funny. I mean, like, the president of the United States has late-stage dementia. He has no idea what's going on. The last president was a reality TV star. Congress Congress is a who's who of, like, the dumbest, most vapid, ridiculous clowns on the planet. You know what I mean? Like, that is fun. Like, it's tragic what they're doing to us, what they're doing to the country and the world. But it is objectively funny. And, like, I don't think I could work in politics if I wasn't amused by all of it. Mm-hmm. And you say you have an interesting perspective because perspective you're, you're British. Like, my perspective comes from the fact that I'm an anarchist. So I think, <laughs> I think all these people are wrong all the time. I think they're all, all ridiculous, you know. And it's like, when I'm, when I'm talking to my wife, like, over dinner, you know, and, like, she just read an article that really made her mad, you know, something that the Democrats are doing or whatever. And, like, I'm just laughing about it. Like, she gets pissed off, and I'm just, like, laughing. I'm like, yeah, it's hilarious. Like, these people are idiots, you know? Isn't that hilarious to you? <laughs> you know? But it's like, I don't think either one of us, if we if we didn't find amusement in all of this, I don't think we could work in politics, at least long-term. It wouldn't be healthy. 100%. A lot of people I know get burnt out. They get so stressed. Um, I mean, obviously, it's, it's still tiring if you if you do it with a smile, but a lot you've just got to find that balance. Of, a lot of these things really matter, but you can't drive yourself crazy thinking about that all the time you have to approach it from a different even just a different direction in some ways i think that can be quite positive you can actually um make more headway in the culture if you approach it from a more light-hearted fun perspective I mean, just think about late night comedy right now is completely dominated by people on the left they're making massive strides in terms of pushing the culture in the direction they want but they're doing it with a smile and people are you know clapping along like trained seals and so there's clearly other ways we can do it as conservatives other than just getting very angry and then going home and not doing much. Right. And, and there are also the old adage, you know, when you tell somebody the truth, make them laugh or else they'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's certainly true. But like I think with like the leftist late night comics and stuff, like the left is so annoying and grating because they aren't funny. Like these people mm-hmm. are not like they used to. Like I think they've actually gone past what you just mentioned, like, you know trying to influence the culture and, and turn the, the country to the left with a smile on their face. Like they're not, they don't have a smile on their face anymore. They're just angry. Like they're just like these mean, like aggressive, like just they're consumed by hatred of like people like us. Right. To the, to the point where they have no sense of humor left. Like I think like, that's why I, I don't really have a lot of respect for, for leftists because they just, they can't make fun of themselves. They can't make fun of their own positions. Like when they should be able to, I mean, like I make fun of the right, a lot because like the right does hilarious ridiculous stuff all the time that's worthy of mockery <laughs> you know what i mean but it's like the left they, they can't poke fun of themselves and they are they're so consumed by hatred that like mm-hmm. i mean there's no they don't tell like dude like donald trump is like hilarious like he's an objectively hilarious person and he's like a caricature of himself like there's a million hilarious donald trump jokes but it's like jimmy kimmel and these guys they're not making jokes they're just like angry like they just they're yeah. so consumed by hatred that they cannot make jokes well it's also i think both sides need to laugh at themselves a little bit i think there are a lot of people who treat their own side as this kind of untouchable messianic figure like the idea that you can be conservative and also poke fun at donald trump i think is quite offensive to a lot of people and it shouldn't be because again they as you said in your um the last time i was on your show they work for us we're allowed to make fun of the people who work for us in this sense and so I would like to step away from the idea that politicians are better than us, that there are moral betters, that 
we are there to worship them. And it's like, really, it's the, the other way around, if anything. Like, they are there for, to serve our purposes, and we are more than allowed to make fun of them in the process because a lot of them, they're just idiots, they're incompetent, a lot of them are corrupt. And if you're not allowed to poke fun at whether it be Eric Swalwell, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, or anyone on the right, I think you're wasting, wasting valuable laughing time. I mean, like, if you think of the political commentators, even, I'm not even talking about comedians, you know, like, you know, like Steven Crowder has like a comedy show, you know, does his sketches and videos and stuff like that. But I just mean, like, even just like the political commentators, like, I don't I don't consume a ton of political content, obviously, because I like, why would I want to? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I I do this show twice a week and everything. But like, um, like the, the political commentators I enjoy listening to or watching are all hilarious. Yeah, I mean, they're all, like, objectively funny. Like, on the libertarian side, like a Michael Malice or Dave Smith, they're, they're really funny. And on the conservative side, like, uh, somebody like Andrew Clavin, like, he's a really funny guy. And it's like, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't want, like, the world is serious enough that, like, if, if I'm going to, for political content, at least in my opinion, to be palatable, it has to be a little lighthearted. It has to be funny. Like, the, the commentator has to have a sense of humor. Or it's just not, like... It's not worth it. It's like, why, why would I waste my time? You know what I mean? Yeah, and again, it comes down to the mental health issue, too, of even if things are very, very important, you have to release the pressure valve in some way. And I think some people release that with anger, and I think a lot of people release it more healthily with just poking fun. I think you can do both at the same time. You know, you can discuss very important issues, but you can do so without destroying your entire mental state in the process. And I think that's why we're seeing the country fall apart in some ways is especially on the left, people have tied their entire moral structure to whatever crazy radical thing the left are pushing right now. And you see people breaking down and screaming in the street because Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton won or lost. I mean, the fact that you care that much about someone who isn't going to change the country as much as you think they are, uh, that the idea that the person you don't want is Hitler every single time an election comes around is just not true. And I think we have to try and, again, just break the pressure valve there a little bit because People are going to lose their mind. We're seeing it every day. Yeah. I, I just don't know why. Um, I guess I just don't understand why political content is even attractive to people if it's not, if there's no humor involved or if there's no mm-hmm. levity involved. It's like, who wants, who who is just seeking out, like, Jimmy Kimmel or, like, on the right, Bill O'Reilly, guys that just yell at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just angry dudes who are just yelling because they're angry. It's like, man, that's not content that I want. Like who, like that just sounds awful. That sounds like mm-hmm. a bad time. It sounds like a waste of time. It's like, man, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't get why people even gravitate towards stuff like that. Like who, who would like, who watches the young Turks, you know, like just these angry socialists screaming. It's like, man, that sounds like, man, they, they would like raise my blood pressure, man. Like who wants that? <laughs> like who, like who needs that in their life? There's like, life is serious enough. I think a lot of it's also about validation of watching someone who is angry about the same sort of thing you're angry about, and they just confirm all of your base instincts about that issue. And so rather than watching something that maybe you you disagree with, but it informs you in some way or helps you cement your ideas, a lot of people just want confirmation. That's why the internet is really good and bad in a lot of ways, because there's a lot of information out there, but it's so easy to confirm whatever idea you have, whether that be right, wrong, or somewhere in the middle. And so I think that's why people gravitate towards the anger, because it's just hitting that 
base level adrenaline rush you expect from this content of someone is angry about the same thing you're about they're maybe saying it more eloquently or they're hitting the points a little more succinctly and then people just seek that out they almost become addicted to it rather than elevating yourself and seeking out either someone who's going to have a bit more of a nuanced perspective or someone who's just going to disagree with you i think that's far more uh liberating i i try and watch content that i disagree with on a regular basis because one, it's good to know how the other side thinks, but also forces me to question how I think. And I think everyone needs a little bit of that in their lives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm a little pigeonholed out of like the traditional model anyway, because like I can't like I'm so radical that like the people that agree with me on everything are such a small percentage <laughs> of the American population where it's like there's no audience. Like if my shtick was just like if my gimmick, if you will, was just like confirmation bias for like people that agree with me on everything like validating people's like anger if they just agree with me on everything it's like well there's hardly anybody that (laughs) agrees with me on all my crazy radical positions so it's like (laughs) like you might be able to get away with that because there's a lot you know there's more like mainstream conservatives that that would tend to i mean you you have disagreements with like you know mainstream conservatives too but like there's at least more people that (laughs) i guess if you went for like angry screaming guy you know, peddling confirmation bias, you might be able to get away with it a little for a little while. But like, I guess maybe it's a blessing that I was never able. <laughs> able. It would have been a <laughs> fool's errand to try to do that because I'd be like whittling down my audience, I suppose. I mean, any day that your views become mainstream is a panic for us all. So long <laughs> may that continue. <laughs> so uh, the corporate press says Joe Biden has COVID again. Um, mm, he had shocking. COVID last week. <laughs> Uh, and then he tested negative for like three, four days. And now the White House is saying that he has COVID again. They're calling it a rebound case. Apparently, if you take some some treatment from Pfizer, you can have a rebound case a few days after beating COVID. I, I, none of it really makes a whole lot of sense to me. And I just think they're using this as an excuse to keep Joe Biden away from the press. And honestly, you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just... I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but this seems like common sense, man. Like, like, here's the thing. If you and I were Biden's handlers, that's what we do right now. Yep. Like that, that, I would advise just use, co- use COVID as an excuse to keep him under wraps. Last week, we all saw they, they shot him up with enough uppers to light up the Empire State Building, and he still was basically incapable of communicating, <laughs> right? That, that, like, crazy video where he didn't blink the whole time and that that bizarre monstrosity was the best he could do with all of the every all the drugs i mean he was on everything i don't know what the heck they were pumping him full of but it was a lot i've been enough i've been around enough coked up rock stars to know what that looks like um and i honestly it would be wise for them to take any opportunity to keep him under wraps right now it seems like occam's razor that that's what's going on It, it can you can you even attempt to convince me otherwise no, I think it's it's quite obvious. If he was having an amazing week and was on the campaign uh, campaign trail and making positive steps for his administration, then it would be surprising. I think they would lie about him having COVID, even if he did have COVID. I think he would be out regardless. The fact that he... I, I'm struggling to f- think of a worse media moment for a president in the last at least couple of years, certainly in the Biden administration, of that wide-eyed, non-blinking, half-dead president staring into the camera, focusing 25 yards behind the screen. He wasn't there. He didn't blink for 
five, ten minutes. It was unbelievable. It was so obvious that he was just past the point of no return. They all know it. Have you noticed in the last couple of months, suddenly all the media have woken up to the fact that Joe Biden is a very old man who doesn't know where he is? I can't the believe second... that video. How, why is that video still up? It's crazy. It's they, unbelievable. They, they thought it made Biden look good. It looked like a deep fake. I didn't did. think it was real. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, it was it was so bizarre. It, they, I mean, they tweeted it from the official like government Twitter account. You know, <laughs> it's 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 fascinating, man. It, it's crazy. I did like how like all of right wing Twitter in unison just started quoting the uh, Jaws line. <laughs> it's like dead eyes, like a doll's eyes. <laughs> it's like. Man, but I just I have to think that they're going to take any opportunity, at least until the midterms, just to keep him in the basement, man. Yes. And I, I just, you know, even I, I could even see them use something like, uh, you know, long COVID. So, oh, he's experiencing, you know, long COVID that's affecting his mental state. That's why he has to resign. So they never have to admit that he has Alzheimer's. You know, like I, I could even see something like that happening. Who knows? Um, I guess it would all depend on like who if, if they look at the bench and see somebody that they think could actually beat a Republican in a general election. But yeah, I just like it. it uh, tr- truly. Occam's razor says that this is BS. Like, I just, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. Like, it's just, it, it's too convenient. The timing is too perfect. They realize that their man is half dead and cannot talk to the press right now. And I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I, they'll, they'll, I think they might try to keep them away from, from cameras as, as long as they possibly can. Well, they should. As you said, if, if you or I were on his campaign team or in his staff, the goal would be to keep him out of the camera as much as possible. He won an election from a basement doing practically nothing. And so I don't see why he can't do the same as president. It's obviously not good for the country, but on a selfish level from his perspective, the less he's in front of the camera shoving his foot in his own mouth, the better. The problem for the Democrats is they have no one on the bench I mean, who are they going to put up? Like Kamala Harris, who is just awful in every single way. Pete Buttigieg is the main guy they're trying to push because all the intellectuals like him, even though he doesn't actually say anything of any value. He just sounds smart while doing nothing. They have no one. I think like Michelle Obama is reappearing now as this idea that she's like a Barack Obama, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey combination. But again, she doesn't really have any political experience and who knows what will happen if she actually hits the campaign trail. I, I truly don't believe she would actually be as popular as people think she would be. They have no one and they know it. And I think that's why they're, they're praying that uh, Donald Trump becomes more uh, politically involved, because at least then they'll have something to run against. Right now, they don't even have anyone to run against. All they have is a collapsing economy and a man who is staring into the camera with dead, cold eyes. That's not the best thing for the Democrats right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, and well... You know, it's horrible for the country, but um, the Democrats certainly are not going to have a good economy to campaign on this year. Um, the The latest development is that uh, Joe Manchin flipped, um, returned to his Democrat ways, and now Congress will spend another half a trillion dollars, a little over $400 billion, um, in the middle of an inflationary recession, no less. I mean, these real geniuses uh, running the country. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, they're raising taxes on almost everyone. Uh, all Americans making over thirty grand are getting a tax hike. Um, they're raising tax- taxes on some workers making as little as ten grand a year, um, all to shovel money to Democratic allies and subsidize Teslas for rich New Yorkers. I mean, literally. I mean, this is truly evil stuff. I mean, it's truly wicked piece of legislation. 
Um, this will obviously make inflation much worse. Um, nothing meaningful will be done about, you know, quote unquote, combating climate, climate change. Um, oh, and on top of all that, they're essentially doubling the number of IRS agents uh, to go after everyday Americans. So truly wicked, evil stuff. This will destroy lives. This will destroy businesses. Um, but maybe that's the point. Well, I also think it's it's a sign that something else is going on behind the scenes with Joe Manchin in the heart of coal country doing anything like this. Either they have something on him or he's going to retire or he's going the way of Liz Cheney of just trying to get back in with the Democrats, get a bit more time on CNN for the next step. Uh, there's something going on here. It doesn't it just doesn't make political sense for him as a as a Democrat and possibly one of the reddest states, if not the reddest states in the country to be doing this. It makes no sense. And to be pouring more money on the fire when we're already in an um, inflationary recession, even though we're not in a recession, of course, we've just got two negative quarters of of growth. We're not in a recession. I have. Don't believe your lying eyes. The fact that we are spending anything, the fact that we're raising taxes on anything, they do not care about you. People, anyone who is still considering voting for a Democrat, they do not give a shit about you. They're laughing right now because none of them are going to suffer. A lot of them are going to get kickbacks for all of this money right now. Yeah. I mean, they, they actually have the audacity to call this spending and tax hike package the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, <laughs> and, and really, the Democrats truly do hate their base, man. They they hate their own voters, and we talk about all the time how like establishment Republicans hate the GOP base, guys like Mitch McConnell, and they do, of course. I mean, that's totally accurate. But the Democrats, I mean, they they, it's like they had the audacity to look their own voters in the eye and just insult their intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I, I wonder if any Democrat voters understand how much these people hate them. They hate you. I mean, they, they're calling you a moron to your face and daring you to prove them wrong. Maybe it's time to prove them wrong, ladies and gentlemen. And and with Joe Manchin, it is funny because, like, politicians are either stupid or evil. Uh, and I actually have a good buddy who, who knows Joe Manchin personally. He's known him for a long time and knows the Manchin family very well. Um, and he's not an idiot. Joe Manchin's a smart man, um, which means he's a, a a shameful liar. You know, I mean, he's... You're either evil or stupid, and he's not stupid, you know. Um, he mm-hmm. knows this will this won't bring inflation down. He knows this will hurt the economy. This knows this will ruin people. Um, and he's just willing to lie. You know, he's willing to hurt his own state. It's a shame, man. It's a shame. You can't trust these Democrats, bro. I mean, you can't trust anybody, any politician. But you know, I when the right will, you know, Joe Manchin, he'll go, he'll vote with Biden ninety five percent of the time. He'll get one thing right, and it's like, oh, he's one of us. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, yeah, no, he ain't, man. No, he ain't. No, he's not. He has decades, decades of, of uh, tape uh, showing that he is not he is not on our side. Just the fact that people allow Democrats to get away with a climate change excuse, like even if climate change, I know climate change is like a big debate that divides a lot of people. But even if we can agree that the possibility that the climate is changing based on man-made um, causes The fact that Democrats can look you in the face and say, I'm going to make your life worse. You are going to have to turn off your AC. You are going to have to suffer. Your elderly relatives might die in the heat or die in the cold. My AC is staying on. It's exactly the same way as I'm going to take your gun away from your family so you can't protect yourself when we let riots spread into your neighborhood. I'm going to have my security. It is just Animal Farm. Every single day is Animal Farm with them. They are the pigs working the horse to death with a smile on their face as they shove food into their mouths. The yeah, fact I mean, that Democrats still vote for them when they're telling you, like, yeah, you need to suffer. I'm not going to suffer. 
I'm going to take private jet flights to Switzerland to hobnob with a bunch of other billionaires and talk about how we're going to change the world. You need to suffer. It's disgusting. I can't believe people still vote for them. The act doesn't work without the press. I mean, the press is the 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 key here. I mean, because they the Democrats are, are they rely on corporate journalists convincing 51 percent of the country that they're a good person if they do whatever the Democratic Party says. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's a lot of stupid people that vote in this country because they they get the votes. You know, they'll insult your intelligence. They'll tell you to eat bugs and turn off your air conditioning and live in a pod and all this. But like if the New York Times and CNN says, well, that's what makes you a good person. You are a moral human being if you do what they say. And if you're not, if you like driving a truck and not have, you know, you know not sleeping in a hundred degree heat, that you're a, you're a bad person, even though, of course, these people would never ever under any circumstances practice what they preach. I just don't know what's going to change people. I mean, people still voted for Gavin Newsom when he was off getting a $400 a plate dinner at the French Laundry while he shut down the entire state. He was sending his kids off to private school. COVID didn't do it. Gun control didn't do it. Now the the Biden economy has been destroyed. People have really no money. People are going to be suffering financially hugely in the coming years. If this doesn't change it, what will? I, I It really worries me. I mean, the only, yeah, the only way out, the only path forward is balkanization. Uh, you know, I don't really think, um, I mean, like, you know, you're never going to save California. Yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a recall election <laughs> of Gavin Newsom, and he won. I mean, he, he got 65% of the vote, you know what I mean? Like, it, didn't, it wasn't even close. And that was in the middle of all these scandals, like you said, with the, you know, going out to dinner when everybody else is locked down and all this stuff, and they don't care. Mm-hmm. Leftism, Uber Alice, you know? That's uh, ideology above all. It is it is fascinating. I think, I mean, the only path forward is to fortify these red states, you know, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, maybe Ohio in the future, you know, um, build these, these havens, you know, where, where there's low taxes or no income tax. You know, we can start nullifying federal law, passing things like constitutional carry, things like that, um, and just balkanize, man. Make the, mm-hmm. make the red states redder and, and everybody move there. I mean, it's like... I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the country as a whole is salvageable. I know a lot of people, a lot of libertarians especially, are talking about secession, um, how how a national divorce would be the best path forward. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm certainly open to that argument. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's. I think the only the only path forward is to kind of leave some of these these places behind. I, I just don't think you're ever going to bring back New York. You know, I, I don't think it's possible at this point. I agree. I also think, though, that conservatives need to wake up to the fact that a lot of these people are moving to red states to get away from the financial consequences of living there, but are going to be voting the same way. I think 2022 and 2024, a lot of people are going to realize that maybe hundreds of thousands of Democrats uh, moving to Texas and Florida and Tennessee and all these places is going to have a voting outcome that they are simply not prepared for. We're just celebrating the fact that, oh, California's losing this many people per month. Yeah, and those people are going to vote the same because people tend to vote the same. It takes a lot to change people's minds in terms of how they vote in a binary system. And the GOP especially just needs to wake up to, and really mobilize around these real issues and prepare. Because I think we're being very complacent and just saying, like, oh, Joe Biden's so bad. Of course they'd vote for us. You've got to have more than reason than the other guy sucks right now because we are not playing with a 50-50 deck. We're not playing with a fair die. Everything is slanted against us, and we need to be fighting on every single front. And the fact is we're not. And uh, 
if we if we lose, it's going to be really, really bad. I, I totally agree with that, that Republicans are complacent. I mean, look at like the, the Senate candidates that that GOP primary voters nominated. I mean, it's just a it's the worst slate of candidates I've seen in my entire life. Herschel Walker, Mehmet Oz. I mean, these these people are an absolute joke. I mean, even J.D. Vance in Ohio, he should be winning by 25 points and he's like polling even with the Democrat. I mean, it's, it's a complete joke. Um, you know, Trump endorsed the wrong people. Voters voted for the wrong people. I mean, just like it's like they looked at like who has the le- who's least likely to beat a Democrat in, in mm-hmm. the general election, and then they all went out in droves and voted for that person. It, it's terrible. So I, we need to educate these voters. Hopefully, get them to the point where they stop making these mistakes in primaries. But but going back to what you said originally, with you know you think um, you know Democrats moving. Uh, to you know, Texas and Florida are going to be able to 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 flip these states blue, and I don't. That that is a concern that should be taken seriously, but I don't think it's as bad as you think because, you know, like white, rich, uh, middle class, upper middle class, and and upper class white Democrats will vote the same way no matter what. But, you know, the working class and minorities maybe not so much. You've seen that with the Hispanic vote. I mean, it's like Republicans may actually get a bare majority of the Hispanic vote um, in the midterms this year, or at least close. Um, You know, they typically get 20%. I mean, by all accounts, they're going to get over 40%, which is huge. And then it's like, it's not like Hispanics are all the same either. Like a majority of Hispanics in Texas vote Republican, where Hispanics in California vote Democrat at over 90%, at a clip over 90%. So it's like, you know, it's not you know Hispanics in Florida are not the same as Hispanics in in Chicago. You know what I mean? And it's like I think a lot of those people are willing to change their voting habits. Where like, but yeah, the, the like the soccer moms, the Karens, the annoying rich elite coastal white people. Yeah, they're gonna vote Democrat till the day they die because they're rich, they're comfortable. Inflation doesn't really affect them. You know what I mean? So it's like those people are, might be too far gone, but I don't think. I don't think the minorities, the minority vote is. I think Republicans can make massive in, in, inroads with uh, with minorities in the next couple cycles. Oh, I think so too, and I think they should. I need to do a bit more research on it. I think don't think we have a lot of the data on the people who are moving. Uh, my concern is a lot of the people who are moving are the the kind of rich coastal elite crowd who are happily um, vacuuming up properties in other states things like that i think that's the concern is people are just looking at this as a all-out good a good thing and uh, i just want to be putting some protections in place in terms of thinking about how we're going to deal with those ideological demographic changes when you have hundreds of thousands of people moving into a city from a very blue state into a very red state there are going to be changes that i simply don't think we're prepared for right now yeah yeah, it's definitely true. And with a cons- complacency, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I do think that a lot of uh, a lot of people in Republican leadership kind of had for the last six months, at least, this mentality that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, we're just getting—a red wave is coming. The candidates mm-hmm. don't even matter too much. Joe Biden's at 30 percent in the polls, and it's like— I get it, man, but we just saw Roy Moore lose to to a, a socialist in Alabama a couple years ago. Like, candidates matter. You can't just nominate anybody you want. Okay, the, the candidate themselves does matter. Okay, yep. like you know, people don't want Herschel Walker. People don't want Doctor Oz, a fake TV doctor living in New Jersey. Okay, <laughs> like people in Pennsylvania don't want that. Um, he's about to lose to a man who just had a stroke and hasn't regained the ability to speak. He's going to lose to a mute. 
that's crazy. That's one going back to comedy. Like obviously, pray for for John Fetterman. Hopefully, he makes a full recovery. But that is hilarious. Like if we have a senator who can't talk, like we literally just say a a mute senator. That that will probably happen this year. So I mean, the the jokes write themselves. But it's like the fact that you know we, we can't even get a we can't like the Republican candidate can't beat a mute guy. It's like I I just don't like he hasn't left his house or the hospital or wherever he is since before the like a week before the primary, like last last week of April. It's the last time he's been seen in public, and and Doctor Oz is going to lose that to that man by double digits. Like it is, it's crazy. So I don't know how the heck we shake Republican voters out of this mentality that they've had. You know, it's like I don't know, man. I don't know if it's the Trump endorsement. I don't know if it's um, just not taking the threat the Democrats pose seriously because Joe Biden's so unpopular. I don't know exactly what it is, but uh, but it's bad. You know, it, it's bad. And if this keeps happening, I mean, we're gonna. If if we don't if we don't retake the Senate, I mean, this would be the one of the the worst missed opportunities in, the, mm-hmm. in American electoral history. Absolutely, I think a lot of it comes down to the idea of the silent majority. That I know a lot of conservatives are convinced that conservatives, not moderates and conservatives, but conservatives specifically, are the majority, and they're simply not. I think no. it can feel that no. way sometimes in certain communities, but they're just not. And I think. Trump winning, Trump was a, a phenomenal candidate in 2016 because he touched so so accurately on the issues that were at the heart of so many people, aside from politics, the idea that elites like Hillary Clinton were just looking down their nose at people, that they needed a political change. But politically, you are not the silent majority. And I think a lot of people have, because they are, they're told that quite often by conservative commentators, I think a lot of people believe that, that it doesn't really matter. We're going to vote for the person we like most on the conservative side because we are the majority. And that's just not the case, especially in a primary system where you're picking someone based on a completely different set of factors than they will that will matter in the general election. I think we need to be focusing on who can, as you said, who can beat the Democrat. Then you pick the best people from that group because we're almost stuck in this idealism where the person we pick is going to be the person who wins it's just simply not the case, and people need to snap out of it. It's funny, man. I've gotten so much. I, I've I've brought up over and over um, how I, I don't want Donald Trump to be the GOP nominee in 2024, and how I believe DeSantis is is a much much better option. And I've listed why. And I get so much hate. I get so much pushback um, from Trump voters, even though I literally endorsed Trump on this podcast and I voted for him twice. Um, I've convinced a lot of people to vote for Donald Trump, so I, I don't really understand the the hate there. But also, it's like, dude, I'm a radical libertarian, okay? Like, I know, I know what it's what it's like to just pick the best option out of a list of candidates that can actually win. It's like, dude, there's never been there there has never been a president that shared my values in the history of the country. Maybe George Washington. Okay, maybe Thomas Jefferson, but that's it. I mean, like these, like Coolidge was okay, Grover Cleveland was okay. You know, they were they were pretty good. You know, Harding, but like it's, I, I get it, man. Like I'm not gonna get everything I want. It's not like in my lifetime politically, it's not even feasible. Like it's mm-hmm. not real. Like I don't, I'm not expecting that. I'm not expecting some anarchist to like get elected and then dismantle the federal government. Like it, that would be awesome if I could flip a switch and make that happen right now. You know, I would. But it's like. I, I, I know that that's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. So I'm just picking from, it's like, who can, 
stop the bleeding? <laughs> like, who is best equipped to stop the Democrat and then maybe actually move the ball forward one yard at a time? Like, I, I get it. Like, I understand. Like, that's how I vote, man. I'm always picking between the lesser of two evils. And, like, I don't I don't see a problem with that. Like, that doesn't offend me. I don't feel dirty afterwards. It's like I, I accept it that it is what it is, and that's just how I've always voted. So it's like, I, why, why, like is it, would it kill you guys? Would it kill you to nominate a Republican that could actually win but maybe doesn't wear a MAGA hat 24-7? You know what I mean? It's like, would it kill you? Would it kill you? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have a Trump neck tattoo, but also he can cut your taxes. Okay, it's like, why, you know, the, the, the things that Republican primary voters prioritize is so bizarre to me because they're not prioritizing the economy or like their own values or like what's actually best for them and their family. I think a lot of it is we've fallen into the sort of cult of personality a little too much as conservatives. That's what drives the left completely. But I think Trump, especially because he's from the world of television and celebrity, I think there's a little too much uh, personality adoration that I think overrides a lot of conservatives when it comes to just their kind of ruthless rationale when it comes to just truth, logic, reason, things like that. And I think Trump was fantastic in 2016, but 2016 is not 2022 and it's not 2024. I think we just need to return to making decisions based on priorities, but also priorities in the right order. So number one is winning. Because if you don't win, then no other priorities matter. It doesn't matter if you have the perfect candidate who will do every single thing you want. If he loses to the Democrat by 80 points, then it doesn't matter. So first, we need to be picking a, a group of people based on who can actually win. And then it matters about the fundamental principles that conservatives supposedly care about. So the economy is a major one. Foreign policy is a major one. Second Amendment, freedom of speech. I don't really care about a lot of the nitty-gritty cultural celebrity issues of Trump suing CNN, for example. That is not something that anyone should be concerned about right now. And we have... Is Trump suing his, CNN? He is threatening to, yeah. I mean, he should, I mean, I, I don't know why, but he should. I just, but, I mean, it's not, if but it's not something suing, we should be voting for no, no, or no, caring no. about, or that shouldn't no. be the forefront of our minds when Americans can't put food on the table. No, I just mean that more people should sue CNN. <laughs> Everyone should. <laughs> Yeah, man, just a floodgate of uh, of defina- defamation suits. No, man, I, I totally agree. Um, before I let you go, though, we, we do have to mention one more topic for the day. Uh, this morning it came out that Deshaun Watson, uh, the new Cleveland Browns quarterback now, um, <laughs> he got a six-game suspension for allegedly sexually assaulting over 30 women. <laughs> so, like, six games. I mean, like... To put it in perspective, Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver for the Falcons, got 17 games for betting on an NFL game. Betting on an NFL game when he was on injured reserve away from the team, <laughs> unable to impact the outcome of a game, and he bet that his own team would win the game, which is, of course, ridiculous because they only won, like, three games the entire season. <laughs> so it's like, like Cal- Ridley getting set a full season for placing a $1,500 bet. Deshaun Watson gropes half of Houston, Texas, and, and he gets six games. I mean, it's, it's a complete joke, man. Like, guys get six games for smoking weed. All right? I mean, this is what a mess. It's just, I, I, the NFL, you could make an entire comedy series of just what the NFL care about and what they don't. Like, you can beat the living hell out of a woman and drag her out of an elevator, and you'll probably still play. It's just... It's so, it's just funny. It's awful, but it's funny. 
a sport where you've just got people who are practically brain dead smashing into each other and there's the most bizarre set of morals that they impose I, I honestly I love it I think it's just it's beyond comedy at this point they have no morals and I think it's still funny that people look towards sporting organizations as having any amount of respect it's just unbelievable maybe his punishment is he had to go live in Cleveland I don't know I don't know what else the the punishment is right now but you can you can do what he is likely done or at least adjacent to have done the fact is if you're good at sport you can get away with anything in our world and I think that's an unfortunate truth and a lot of people are starting to realize yeah I mean if he wasn't like a star quarterback I'd have to you know I don't know. Maybe they would have taken it more seriously. I mean, people are trying to compare it to Ben Roethlisberger's case, you know, almost 20 years ago. And there's just nothing in common between between the two. I mean, the, the, the Big Ben thing was a woman accused him of something. It was a he said, she said. Her story wasn't even remotely believable. And he got six games. Deshaun Watson has demonstrated, like, all right, look, even if what he did wasn't illegal— like, he demonstrated a pattern of, at the very least, extremely predatory behavior over the course of multiple years. I mean, like, this guy's, like, a bad guy, man. I mean, like, that's, like, a, a, a sociopath. That's, like, sociopathic behavior. He's, like, legitimately, like, a menace to society. It wasn't, like, some drunken hookup at the club, and it's a he said, she said, nobody knows what happened. I mean, this is, like, psychopath predator behavior. You know what I mean? It's like I think we'd all we'd all probably respect the NFL more if they just said, "Hey, we're just gonna let the legal system, the justice mm-hmm. system, just run its course." Like you know, if there's criminal, if if he's prosecuted criminally, we'll suspend him. If not, like we'll just you know just let the law run its course and and just you know let let it let them do their thing and we're not going to suspend anybody for personal conduct or whatever i think like we'd all respect the nfl more for that <laughs> you know what i mean it's like but come on man it's like you'll get like eight games for like doing steroids you know you'll get four or six for smoking pot it's like come on man like what it's it's a mess and like you and i were talking before we started recording it's like we're still gonna watch. <laughs> like I'd love to. Like of like obviously the NFL is a mess. Everybody hates the the organization itself. You know they're a complete joke. But it's like football's still the most fun sport to watch. So I'm gonna still tune in. I'm still not gonna miss a Steelers game. Like like they kind of have us by the short hairs, man. Like I, I I've never like I can't imagine. I don't know. It's like you qualify like Amazon in in the same light. You know it's like obviously they're wicked. Bezos is a dork. But it's like, man, I still use Amazon all the time, and I'm not going to stop. You know, so it's like I wish I wish I had a different opinion. I could, like, actually take a moral stand, but it's like I'm, I'm a huge football fan, huge fantasy football fan. I'm still going to watch all the games is what it is. Well, because the sport is fundamentally unchanged. I also think it's fine to be a sports fan and just enjoy the sport and ignore a lot of the periphery nonsense. I think that's why it was so funny when a lot of people who'd – never watched a game of sport in their life, were saying, well, I'm going to boycott the NFL when all the kneeling stuff was going on. True sports fans kept watching because it's about the sport. You can have an opinion right. about the the sideline stuff, but fundamentally the sport is unchanged and so on. I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I don't think that's hypocritical at all. I still think you can comment on the organization while enjoying the sport and not taking away from the athletes who have worked their entire lives to get to the pinnacle of, of their profession. Uh, but it's it's still funny. The the NFL is an organization and all the other ones, the NBA and the others, just they're all jokes. It's just 
another realm of comedy for us to poke fun at, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, it wouldn't be so annoying if they, you know, as soon as the season is, you know, as soon as they, they start the regular season, they're going to immediately start running all these commercials and stuff, making these, like, political statements with the NFL logo all over it. You know, like the Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter stuff, like all the, you know, the, we stand for trans people you know, and all that. They're, they're going to do all that stuff and try to make these moralizing statements while, like, letting, like, a serial rapist play, play quarterback. You know, it's like, come on, hey, man, like, what are you doing? Like, you can't, one or the other, one or the other. You can't, you really can't ride the fence, man. Like, that's, it's crazy. What are you doing? I mean, I think one of the funniest uh, things that Amy Schumer's ever done, I don't think she's funny at all, but one really funny segment she did, she did a Friday Night Lights parody of just, like, a, a Me Too mashup of just, respecting women but also going out onto the field and using your physical strength to take what you want i think that's always the funniest juxtaposition with the nfl when you have people who are millionaires because they are good at smashing the living hell out of each other but we also expect these people to behave like perfect (laughs) perfect human beings when we have people who've basically from birth been taught just to use physical strength to take what they want they don't live in the same world as us and that's not an excuse at all for the wrong things they do but i think it's sometimes wrong to expect people to behave a certain way when their entire life has been pointing them in one direction. And I think that's where the organization goes wrong is you've got a lot of these young people who are many of them vulnerable. Many of them don't have good upbringings. You give them millions of dollars, move them to Vegas and expect them to be perfect Christians. I think some, something's wrong there. I actually have seen that Amy Schumer sketch. Um, it's like the only funny thing she's ever done. It's with that guy from Dead Poets Society. I can't remember his mm-hmm. name. Can't remember that feller's name, but that was I mean that was very very funny. They're trying to convince the players to stop raping women, <laughs> <laughs> and then like and then like the next sentence is always like go out there and physically dominate your op- your opponent. <laughs> it's like no, I'll, I'll I'll tweet out that sketch as soon as this this episode's up because it is hilarious. I honestly had no idea that actually Amy Schumer's like not even in the sketch really. I mean, she's no, like she's, she's on the edge drinking, which is what <laughs> yeah. she does best. Yeah, maybe that's why it was so funny. But all right, my brother, where can everybody check out your brand new show, Off Limits, which I highly recommend. Everybody go subscribe right now. Wherever, where can everybody check it out? Buy the merch, follow you online, all that good stuff. Yeah, if you head over to watchofflimits.com, you can find the YouTube channel there. You can check out the store. You can check out all the other social media. So watchofflimits.com. Everybody check out the site. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.